Before we start with our scripture for the morning, hear now this word from the prophet Jeremiah 1, and let's start at 6, Jeremiah 1, 6. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whenever I command you. Church, would you pray with me? Gracious God, I pray that this morning my words will not be my own, Lord, but that they will be your words through me. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit moves with me, moves in this congregation. And Lord, I pray that your truth, your power, your might will be shown in all ways. Let us preach a mighty word and a true word, and let us get to your heart. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. While I move these, because if, if you've heard me preach before, this would half kill me, um, trying to dodge all these chords and stuff. So as I do this, I, I want to explain a little bit of myself to, to the church. It, you may know this or not. Uh, I am what I call, or what we call in the business, a uh, lectionary preacher. So what the lectionary is, is the lectionary is a collection of different scriptures that are divided up. The whole Bible is divided up throughout the year. And on each Sunday, you have a collection of passages, one from the Old Testament, one psalm, one gospel reading, and then an additional New Testament reading, whether it's from one of Paul's letters or, or Revelation or, or what have you. And I say that to say, this morning... I am following suit with that. I am a lectionary preacher through and through. And so um, I want to be very clear. I did not handpick this passage on the, my little sheet. It says, third Sunday of Epiphany, January 22nd, 2023. So this, these passages are going to be preached all throughout the church uh, and, and all who follow the lectionary. And so I invite you all to, to hear this uh, word from 1 Corinthians and uh, I've been kind of coming up. I was nervous reading this passage, you know. But uh, I, I've realized my shtick. And so I'll share that with you. And I shared it with the kitchen this morning, um, this amen sandwich making house. I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher. I'm a campfire and s'mores preacher. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? I, want pe I don't want to scare people. I don't want to beat on this pulpit and, and make people, you know, be fearful and, and come to the Lord because they're afraid of, of hell or, or whatever. I, I want people to come together. At a campfire, people come together, right? People sit around, they share uh, stories, and they eat s'mores, and they feel good. And I want to give a good, hopeful message this morning. Uh, but what is truthful of the Bible, and, and Pastor Rebecca hit on it last week. Some passages in the Bible, they hit us at a point, and the word, of the, God, uh, the word of the Lord is sharp sometimes. And it can hit us, and we have to think about it, and we have to kind of come to terms with it. And so if that happens, please know I'm not trying to point fingers or make anyone feel bad or anything like that, but, I, but this is the passage for, the sun, for this Sunday, and the word was placed on my heart, and so I'm going to go for it. So read now with me 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 18. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of 
our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ may not be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Church, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to show my hand here. I'm an Old Testament guy. I am. I love it. And I did a lot of studying with the Old Testament. And if you know me, and especially my helpers with youth, youth group, they know I love me some Old, old Testament. Give me the prophets. Give me, give me Elijah calling down pillars of fire. I love it. That's me. I like that. But I was lucky enough at Asbury to take a New Testament class. And as a preacher, you know, we probably should hit on the New Testament, right? Jesus. Right? Marjorie's nodding. Yeah, I probably need to get to Jesus, right? And so I took a class, and I took a class with uh, Dr. Craig Keener. And if that name is not familiar, let me tell you a little bit about him. He is one of the outstanding New Testament professors and really scholars that, that we have in the Methodist and really beyond in the church. So he is top-notch. And one of the things that he said to me when we were, uh, and said to our class when we were going through uh, Paul's letters, is that he said, specifically with Paul's letter, context for all of those letters, the context that those letters have is maybe as important as with any book in the Bible. Because what Paul is doing, the collection of the epistles, the letters that Paul is sending out to the churches that he is starting and has connected with, he would go to a place, he would start up a church, and then he, he would, you know, make sure that it was, it was founded well, and then he would go out and he, and he would preach and, and start another church. But then he may catch wind of maybe some good stuff, and, th and there are letters that are positive in the Bible saying, hey, keep on with the faith, keep being positive, keep, keep preaching and, and teaching the word of God. But sometimes he would get word that maybe the church wasn't doing the best. Or maybe there were some problems that the church was facing, and he, as one of the leaders in the church, would write back and say, you know, greetings, brothers and sisters, this is what you're doing wrong. And Paul was really good about starting with like 
dear brothers and sisters, God loves you and you are a precious child of God. Now I'm going to go on for 14 verses or 14 chapters telling you how you've messed up. So Paul was really good at like kind of sandwiching the, the bad with the good, but he was, very, um, he was very knowledgeable about churches, how churches should run and how the kingdom of God is supposed to kind of go along because he's seeing all these different uh, communities. And so I say this to say, sometimes the words that Paul is saying is, is to a specific congregation. You know, it'd be like if I was writing to, uh, if someone found my letters to Georgetown first and, and I wrote, um, you know, make sure that you don't break the stuff in the barn for city of Bethlehem. That's a good word that maybe doesn't have the same context with each and every church. You know, other churches may not have the same things going on. And so we've got to be careful. But, but I say that to say, I think that this morning, this passage that we're reading is universal. And some of the things that Paul, they're specific problems, and then other times Paul says truths that are universal. They, they span every church or every gathering of Christians. When Christians gather together, we can look at it. Paul's writing and say, okay, this is how we should be, should be functioning and how sh we should be doing. And so that's the passage that we see here today. Now, he is writing to the church in Corinth. And boy, oh boy, not long after Paul left, the Corinthians really, uh, they really started to, to mess up. Corinth was a, uh, it was a port city. And that's important to know because in these other landlocked cities, you don't get as much traffic and you don't get as much flow. And so you don't have as many, you know, um, you don't have as much wealth because they were a very wealthy city. There was a lot of trade and a lot of commerce. And so you're talking about you have people in the, in the church of Corinth that are very highfalutin folk. They're really rich and, and have a lot of power. Then you also have slaves, Roman slaves that are also in this province. So you have this, this dichotomy of folks in the church. You have the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. That first, that socioeconomical split, that can start to show some cracks. Another thing about the church of Corinth, much like much of the um, Greek-speaking world, they loved more than anything else public speaking. They loved it. And if you wanted to have any kind of uh, clout or any kind of uh, praise in a Roman or a Roman Grecian city, then you better get good at speaking in public. And so they would have these uh, uh, philosophy one-off kind of discussions trying to one-up other people and try to prove the other person's uh, philosophies wrong. And they would have all these strings of long, eloquent words. And then that would start to create parties under those speakers. And much like how the church reflects the, the, the city that it's in, you know, we down here in Georgetown, we reflect, you know, good, hardworking Kentuckians in our church. Much like that in, in Corinth, you would have this need for sophisticated speak. And then those people in the church, as they began to make themselves known, and Paul uh, only names a couple, they started in the church creating different groups. And so Paul is writing, hearing, y'all are getting clicky. Y'all are having some clicks form. 
And at the very beginning of Paul's letter that we read this morning, and I'll read it again here, he says exactly what he wants to accomplish. He says, Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind, in the same purpose. Paul wouldn't have written that if the church was all together, right? Have you ever been somewhere, like been traveling, and you see a very odd, like, warning sign? Like, warning, please do not skateboard in the restaurant. And you think, well, they probably wouldn't have put their, that sign there if that never happened, right? Like, surely someone came in with the skateboard. And, you know, and so it's kind of the same thing is happening here. Paul wouldn't have written it if it wasn't happening. And so then, what does, he say, um, what does he say the problem is? He says, well, I've heard from, from Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is to say that I, uh, each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. And so he is making them aware, it's kind of like as a parent, like, I know what you did. So you can own up to it, or you can, you know, not, but I know what you did, okay? I'm aware of this. And and what was basically happening is in the church itself, you have this man, Apollos. And Apollos was way better of a speaker than Paul. Way better than a speaker than Paul. Paul. Paul was probably a little folksier. Apollos was eloquent and could put words together. And because of that, he began to gain popularity. So much so that people were putting themselves in the camp of Apollos. They said, well, I'm one of Apollos' folk. Then other people, seeing this, say, no, 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 we were started by Paul. I'm with Paul. And they would go and they would separate over there. And then other people would say, well, in, in, in the Bible that I read, um, the Bible... Uh, little added footnote, said, you know, uh, Paul may have just been using Cephas and Christ as examples, but yeah, you have, you have oh, I'm with Apollos, or I'm with Cephas, who, who is Peter. Oh, I'm with Peter. I'm with Christ. I'm with Paul. I'm with this other person. And what you had was a collection of people that were all meeting under the same church, but none of them were associating with one another because they all had different leaders. It'd be like if we in Georgetown first said, hey, everybody who wants to be on my team Pastor Marcus' team, you get over here, sit over here, and then if you want to be on Kathleen's team, sit over there. We're going to have our own worship services. Don't talk to each other, because we don't like each other, because they're teaching one thing, Kathleen's teaching craziness or something, and I'm the real teacher. You see how that might be problematic? You see how that might uh, warrant a letter? And so that's the issue that, that really is start. People are starting to be divided. And so... This team ball mentality, this my team versus your team, just hit a boiling point to the, to the point where Paul has to try to help it, to eradicate this, this infighting between the groups of the church. And so Paul addresses exactly kind of what the issue is, and he says to them right there, after he, he talks about where I belong to Christ, has Christ my dear sweet church, has Christ been divided? And I love this. I love this. Because what he is saying, is it okay? 
We say that we're a part of the body of Christ. Has Christ been split up so that this group over here has a little bit of Christ but doesn't have to uh, associate to get the other part? And then this group has like another part of Christ because we've split it all up. And then this part, you know, they don't like these other groups. And so then we have some Christ over here. And so what ends up happening is you have all these different functions. The body of Christ is not Frankenstein's monster. Okay? The body of Christ is not slapshod together or, or is divided, and sometimes it works. It, it's all unity. It's, it, it works best when it's together or it doesn't work at all. And so Paul is saying, Christ has not been divided up amongst you so that you can all be islanded amongst yourself and don't have to interact and don't have to respond. The, the church does better when we are all together. Because each one of us have different aspects. We all say that we are part of the body of Christ. Therefore, you know, having like 14 eyes on one side and then not having any hands, you're probably not going to do a lot of good work, right? Or if you have all ears and no legs. That's not how the church responds. That's not how the church, the body of Christ, is supposed to function. And so Paul says that. He says something else afterwards. And this is what I love because it, it hits the church leadership like the clergy and the pastors, he goes on, he says, was Paul crucified for you? And this, I think, is really important for churches to remember as well, because no matter, I did not, thank goodness, I haven't baptized anyone yet, because I would not want my youth thinking, well, I am part of Marcus's team, and I don't baptize them in the name of Marcus Price and lift them up and say, and now you are part of my fold. That's not what we do, nor does Kathleen, nor does Rebecca, nor does any pastor. We don't say, oh, you're baptized in my name. But Paul is reminding us, no, 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 no. There's one name that we baptize from. It doesn't matter who baptized you. It doesn't matter when you got baptized. Us in the Methodist church, we baptize infants. We also baptize adults. That doesn't make the infant baptism folk better than the Adult baptism, folks. No, because it's all under the same name, right? And so Paul is exposing some of these shortcomings and saying we, we are not divided amongst one another. We are not separated from amongst one another. We cannot sustain this church if we are going to continue to butt heads, to not see eye to eye, and to not remember that it is through Christ that we are united. And then Paul goes on to remind people of what his role is. He says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ may not be emptied of his power. He is saying, I'm not coming here for fame. I'm not coming here so that all of you are like, yeah, Team Paul. Or I'm not coming here so that everyone gives me praise or gives me glory or gives me um, money because of how good of a preacher I am. I'm coming here to proclaim the gospel. It is not about me, and, and I would like to think, I hope that I continue to follow like Paul says. It's not about me. I don't think we're all here because, oh, Marcus is preaching. Woo! No! And if you are, shame on you. It is about Christ. It is about lifting up the cross and saying, this is the purpose we are here. Don't look at me. Thank goodness, I'm so glad that the cross is back in the sanctuary. 
Because I like pointing at it and reminding people, this is why we're here. It's not because of me. It's not because of any individual of us. But it is because, hey, it was snowy today or, or sleety and it was terrible weather and it's cold. You all wouldn't just get out there just to say, well, I want to see Marcus. No, it's a testament to our faith. To the fact that we come together, we come under one roof, and we say we are part of the kingdom of God together, not separate. And so Paul, and Paul says, you know, and he kind of defends himself a little bit, and I like that he added in here. Um, he said, and not with eloquent wisdom. That's not why he's preaching, not, not eloquent wisdom. That was a shot at Apollos, because, you know, Paul is still a, a guy. He's saying it doesn't matter how fancy Apollos preaches. If he's preaching division and, and he's not preaching Christ and unity through Christ, then it doesn't matter how nice he talks. That's all, all chaff, no meat, you know? And so, Paul ends with this. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul ends this first section, and he goes on for, again, like 14 chapters. 1 Corinthians is one of the longest letters he has. Um, and if I was going to do it justice, we would all just read through 1 Corinthians this morning, but that would take quite a bit, so I'm not going to do that. But basically, Paul in this first section says what, what he's, where he's going and where he's moving to, and so that's what I'll do as well. Paul's saying, if we keep fighting amongst each other, then people that look at us will just say, well, we're a bunch of bickering fools arguing with one another, destined to die just like the rest of us. But if we believe in the cross, then the power that we are being saved with shines much brighter than any individual. Brighter than any specific single person. The power of the cross is able to shine through more. And we can rely on that because that's where salvation lies. And I'll end with this. And I'll come down here. With church division, with argue, arguing, and with, with anger, and with resentment of one another, which the church of Corinth, uh, Corinth was definitely going through, I was reminded of what church is about. I was reminded why I'm here. And, but I was also reminded of what's at stake. And I realized something. The most powerful thing that Satan can do is make us think that we are each other's enemies. I'll say that again. The most powerful thing that Satan can do is make us think that we are each other's enemies. Marjorie, you're not my enemy. No. Steve, you're not my enemy. Blondie, you're not my enemy. Kim, you're not my enemy. Wendy, you're not my enemy. We may come from different places and we may have different opinions and we may have different upbringings and we may have different viewpoints of the world, but Steve, you're not my enemy. We love each other. We do. And through that, we have to remember that. We are not against each other in this. It's through one another that we are able to see God through the love of one another. God said, if you want to if you want to follow me, you will follow my commandments. And you know what Jesus tells us to do? Love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, minds, and strength. And the second commandment is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself.
We're not enemies. We're not against each other. If Mel was here, I would talk, if Steve's here, just because he says go blue and I say go bucks. That's what society, if, if, if you say, well, I believe in this, and, and, and someone else says, well, I believe in that, that doesn't make us enemies. That makes us different. And there's beauty in that. There's beauty in that. And so remember, church, we are not against one another. We are together with Christ against the world, against sin, against division. I talked with my communion student, or confirmation students, I keep flipping this around, my confirmation students this morning that sin divides. Jesus pulls back together. The most powerful thing that Satan can do is make us think that we are each other's enemies. But the most powerful thing we can do is remember that Jesus Christ put, created each of us in his own image, that we have God within us, and that we love, and that we should love one another too. As I close, I, I want to invite folks. Uh, a couple weeks ago, someone asked, well, why don't we do altar calls? Well, I love altar calls. I do. And our altar is open. This is not my altar. This is not uh, Kathleen's altar. This is not Pastor Phil's altar. This is not Georgetown First altar. This is God's railing. This is God's altar. I invite you. If you have something that you're, that you're wrestling with, if you have something, some sort of baggage that you are dealing with, if you have some hang-ups that are blocking you from fully loving Christ, if you have some hang-ups between fully loving someone else in the church or in your family, come down here. You can pray by yourself. You can pray with me. Just give me a hand. I'll come over, I'll lay hands on you, and I'll pray with you. But I want us to, I want us to, to open it up. <laughs> I want us to be able to come to God and pray and pray openly. So I invite you, the invitation is there. Would you please pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this church. God, you have made us different. You have given us different perspectives. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you have done that, Lord, because through each other we are able to have a better perspective of your love. God, I pray that this church continues to grow in unity. Lord, I pray that we follow you, that we keep our eyes on you in all the things we do when we make decisions, when we have conversations, when we have frustrations, Lord, to let us remember that we are your children, and so is our fellow brothers and sisters. Let us live in love, and let us rem remember that when the world sees us loving each other, they will be curious about what makes that happen, and we can say it is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father God, be with this church. It's in your name we pray. Amen.